When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. And they're walking him with the bases loaded and intentional walk to Barry Bonds. Two and two with the bases loaded and one out. Oh my God. Deep to right field. Way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk off home run. Grand slam. All right. What is going on, everyone? We are discussing some riser and followers in terms of like playing time and performance. So without wasting any more time, we, we jump right into the content here. We don't go through all the pleasantries of all the other stuff. So we're going to go right into Masataka Yoshida. And the big thing about Yoshida is that we saw him kind of get going when he got back from this hamstring injury. And you'll notice he got back like he was dealt with. He was day to day, never went on the IL. But what you notice here is that since the 16th, when he returned, Yoshida has been just crushing it, you know, 366, 425, 648, triple slash. They're actually plus 189, so that means 89% better than league average. And a Woba, that's just ridiculous, 454. Now, the plate discipline's always been a strength of his, even coming over from Japan. It's just been something he's been good at. The BABIP, although seeming seems inflated, 356 during the span, isn't crazy considering he is a solid hitter, puts the ball in, puts the ball in play a lot. And Yoshida has decent speed. The 282 ISO is ridiculous. I mean, five home runs. He isn't stealing right now, but that should change. He is good for a handful of stolen bases. But the big thing with Yoshida, and obviously pulling up his his Statcast page, if you go over to his his breakdowns, you'll see that like everything's trending up, right? Expected the woba, expected woba, and then you if you go over to like launch angle, which is kind of just an, a glimpse of what's going on. He's obviously getting the ball in the air more, which is what's helping the power produce. Not to mention the hard hit rate. Everything's trending up. You see it's all moving up with it. As he's elevating the ball, Yoshida's been obviously getting more sweet spot. The K rate's been kind of trending, you know, similar. He's good. I'm not really worried about that. But my point was here was to kind of show that he's elevating the ball more. You're seeing it, all the numbers, the fly ball rate's increasing, ground ball rate's decreasing. Yoshida is creating opportunity and allowing the allowing the power to play up finally because the ground balls were the issue. The bat-to-ball skills are not. Yoshida is very legitimate there. But getting finally elevating was kind of the key to unlocking the potential breakout here that we were expecting, at least that projection systems were expecting, because a lot of people were questioning the projections, and now it's kind of like Yoshida's showing that hey, there's legitimacy to those projections, although not all rookies are really tough to project. However, Yoshida is showing them early on to be trending in the right direction, at least being correct in this case, because they're not correct all the time. 
Brett Beatty, just wanted to talk about him real quick because he's trending up. He hit higher in the lineup yesterday. I believe it was like sixth or seventh. I have to double check. I, being the lineup guy that I am, I should know that offhand. But I do. But the point is, is that he's finally moving up in the order, and there's a mid lineup spot available to him if for the taking. And you're seeing him early on. The power hasn't been what it was in the minors, but we know it's there. Two home runs, a 191 ISO, not bad. Uh, hitting 319, obviously 394. Babbitt's not going to sustain here for Beatty, but I do expect better days ahead, especially as he moves up the lineup. The play discipline is translating, not as many walks, but the strikeouts aren't an issue, and that's kind of important. And we saw a very similar approach last year. You know, the strikeouts were an issue. He wasn't walking as much initially as well prior to going down with injury. But we do know that Beatty is going to be a solid power producer hitting the middle of the lineup. You do need to be aware, though, he is in a strict platoon. They are keeping Eduardo Escobar in there against lefty. Beatty, however, he's definitely – arrows are pointing up there, no doubt about it. There's a lot to like with Beatty. It's just one of those things that be aware that he's going to be in a platoon. So if you have a lefty heavy match, let's see them next week. The Mets face two lefties. So just know that. So it looks like it's one in each part of the week. You're starting them. I mean, almost regardless. But say say there was two, uh, say if you're in NFBC formats and there's two lefties in the first part of the week, you could kind of, out of three hitters, you kind of are more likely to sit him considering the usage there. And if I pull up my other on sheet here, which I, thought I, oh, I do have it up right here. You guys can't see it, but I can. The Mets, I'm going to tell you right now, if he's faced the lefty at all this year, just yet, once it loads. But that's the thing about Beatty is I don't think he's even playing. I don't think he's even started against a single lefty to this point. And, of course, the sheet isn't loading properly to help me out here. Thanks, sheet. Let me down when I need you the most. All right. Well, we'll move on then. And if it loads, I will come back around to it. But I want to talk about Nick Senzel a little bit. Oh, it did load. Of course it loaded. So Beatty on the year has started against two lefties, and one of which was of late. So we'll see. I guess he's not in a strict platoon. He was initially, but Beatty is trending up even in terms of not being a strict platoon. That's what matters here. So he's not in a strict platoon like I thought he was because I must have missed that he started against a couple lefties, which is good because initially – he had no starts against them, but now he's, you know, he, he still sits against the occasional lefty side against the last lefty they faced, started against the one before that. So we'll see. Uh, if it's a tough lefty, he most likely sits. However, Nixon Zell, it's like it's an annual thing with him. We go through these runs of Nixon Zell every year where he has this just shows relevance. I don't understand where the relevance comes from, but he finds a way to, to, to do it. He just finds a way to be relevant every year. There's a little bit of power, a little bit of speed here. And if you look, I mean, the plate discipline's always been a strength. The bad hip's only 315, so there's not a lot of luck going on there, especially because he has above average speed and he has a good hit tool. Senzel's also, um, he obviously calls Great America Ballpark home. On top of all that, he's, uh, let's see, the, the, the elevating the ball well. That's where my notes are. I'm like, duh, where's my notes? Okay, elevating the ball well, and that's kind of what I want to mention here. So obviously, the last time we saw Senzel elevate the ball like he is, ground ball rate's only a 38.6%. Last time it was like that was in 2020, and we saw him kind of have a show glimpses of that power production and potential in 2020 for a brief moment before injury, I believe, also derailed him there. But the ele- he's elevating the ball well, which has led to uh, better than that, better than his usual barrel rates. He's still not hitting the ball all that hard, but he's barreling the ball. He's not bearing the ball all that well either. So the power production, I wouldn't expect a whole lot. However, if he's elevating the ball, he doesn't need to have the best underlying metrics there because I think the ball will start flying out of the park as it warms up over there in Cincinnati. It is a Coors Light, so to speak. I think it actually plays up better than Coors considering it is a smaller park. And again, we're talking about a guy with great contact skills, limits swing and miss here in Senzel. I do think it's one of those things where you're riding it out. I don't know if you can really sell high on him in terms of fantasy, in terms of that side of things, but Senzel, this is kind of what he is. He's a he's a good hit to a guy, a little bit of pop, a little bit of speed. 
not special anywhere, a solid fifth outfielder. I wouldn't expect much more out of Nick Senzel. And the guy, oh, I guess I forgot to bring him up. Jaron Duran, I wanted to talk about him. For some reason, his page isn't up, so we're going to actually pull his page up real quick. Where is it? I'm on Senzel. Let's just, let's just do it here then. So Duran's been just stupid good right now and it's not really fair <laughs> that uh he's been this good it was fun the breakout finally happened i actually have dc shares i didn't get them in my main and not that i'm regretting it because i mean i could use offense but i need more so power than speed and he and duran offers a little bit of pop obviously there's a little inflation here with the Babbitt being 522 uh triple slash of 406 444 672 for form a little bit of luck obviously the woba and x woba there's almost 100 point difference with the x woba being lower but still a very strong 373 x woba 360 plus 499 uh jaron Duran's been absolutely amazing, and it's about time that pos- that prospect pedigree hits. He's only 26, so he's finally he's coming into his own. A lot of players, you know, not all prospects, you know, growth, not all prospect growth is linear. It's kind of a cliche saying at this point, but it's very, very true. So we have to remind you every chance we get, I guess. But a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, like I said, two home runs, four stolen bases is fantastic. I know the hard hit rates are great, 52.1%. He's crushing the ball. The barrel rate, double digits for the first time in his career at the pro level. There's no doubting it. Obviously, again, we're talking about overperformance. He's even if he comes down to the expected stats that he has, which I don't like expected stats, but when someone's overperforming to this point, you just take a look at them and you realize even the expected stats, although they're expected to come down, they're still going to be strong numbers if they come down to those marks. So understand regression is going to be due here, but regression to what? Regression to a still a solid producing fantasy asset. But Duran, he's doing things differently this year. He changed his approach at the plate. He's Pulling, he's uh not pulling the ball as much, which is actually why I don't think the power is going to be there. But we'll talk about that in a second. The big thing here is the ground ball rate is a career best thirty three point three percent, which goes back to elevating the ball well. If you're if you're elevating the ball well, he's 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 squaring it up and he's hitting it hard. That's going to allow the line drives and fly balls to play up. However, the power will not play up because he's only pulling the ball sixteen point seven percent of the time. It doesn't matter. I mean, of course, when he pulls it in the air, it's probably going to go out that much easier because obviously, if he's squaring up the ball the way he is, Duran's going to end up getting more home runs on those pulled fly balls and line drives, but he's not pulling the ball much at all. And if we look at the actual pulled fly balls and line drives, he's not doing much of that either. 75% ground ball pulled ground ball rate actually. So the power will not play up to its potential if, as long as he's doing this, but beggars can't be choosers. He's going to give you double digit home runs. He's going to steal bases and he's going to do well all around. And he's trending up in terms of batting fifth in the signup at the moment. From what uh, from what memory serves, I believe he's been moving upwards towards fifth. So that's like everything. All systems go for him right now. I'm double checking. I want to double check the, the lineup spots of late because I'm pretty, pretty sure it's been fifth. And of course, again, maybe I have too many tabs open, but it's really aggravating because I can't seem to get it to work quickly. And Duran, yes, he's been batting fifth. He's batted fifth in in his last five starts against righties, and he even started against a lefty out of the last two. So although he's only started against one lefty on the year. I don't think he's in a strict platoon, but it's pretty strict. Like they are making, they aren't making a point to get him in there versus lefties. They're giving him his days off as they come around, but he won't sit against all of them. I, I would assume he sits against tougher lefties. And that's Jaron Duran I'm speaking about. A guy that was trending down that's starting to heat up right now is Luis Robert. Robert, uh, over the last couple of days, I've noticed he's like on a four game hit streak last I looked. And of over those four games, you'll notice that he has two home runs and he has, I believe he has like, four or five hits over those four games here we can look right here three hit game yesterday three four or five six hits over his last four games this was coming off of a rather cold spell unfortunately the stolen bases haven't really been there however it's he's one for one i don't know if he's i don't know if robert's going to steal a whole lot this year if they want to keep him healthy but we know the power's there 
he was the reason why he was kind of trending down. He was on this like teetering of trending down, trending up, trending down ish, like all in this range is because he moved down the lineup. He was bumped to fifth and then sixth yesterday. And then Robert was also having a hard time overall, just get going. He's kind of slowed down. And now we're seeing him pick it up a series, obviously coming off a three hit three, again, four game hit streak right now and a three hit game in Cincy and gets two more games in Cincy. This could be the kind of the series that he needed to get going. I think Robert's going to just find out to mention that hamstring injury, unless it wasn't really a hamstring injury. It was just a lack of hustle and I'm giving an excuse type of thing. But all things considered, I like what I'm seeing from Robert. And I he again, he was the first of this trending down thing. However, he's back to trending back up over the last few games. And last guy trending up that, again, forgot to bring his page up is Jorge Mateo. And it's just one of those things where everyone's talking about him, so I'm not going to beat a dead horse here. But leading off for the first time in his career yesterday against a lefty, if it will load his page, I don't know. But uh, notable gains in plate discipline, it's obvious. We're talking a 10% gain, a 10% rise in his strikeout percentage in a good way. He actually reduced this strikeout percentage by 10% roughly. And then the walk rate also improved by nearly 2%. What do you want? I mean, the bad is only 318. And I say only because he's a plus a speed guy. He's putting the ball in the, in the field of pl plenty. There's one more shift. Not that he's a huge shift issue guy, but Mateo, that 318 Babbitt could actually probably go up considering his skill set. But regardless, what it is is the six home runs kind of catch me off guard. I don't buy into the power. I was looking at some of his um the power is going to be a little more than expected. Obviously, he's already about just about halfway to his season total from last year. But Mateo is just not a power guy. What's helping drive the power? Mention remember how I mentioned with Duran, he's not pulling a bunch of fly balls line drives. Mateo is Mateo, his uh pulled fly ball line drive rate is up for from over his career it's right now if you look at his pulled ground balls it's just easier to look at pull ground balls and you have an idea so his pull ground ball rates only 44.4 percent you're seeing over 25 percent pulled line drives and pulled fly balls and if you look at his career numbers doing that it's not always been the case for mateo and that's kind of what i'm getting at here is that there's a legitimate tangible approach change if it if i can get to it the pulled fly balls for his pulled ground balls for his career is almost 10% higher, 52.3%. A lot less pulled line drives. And pulled fly balls have been okay. Never been a huge issue, but it's just that this year he's taken he's made a point to improve that, which is helping drive the power. Cause when you look at the overall underlying numbers in terms of power production, it's just lackluster. It doesn't really pop. Only a 6.7% barrel rate. 45.3% hard hit rate is solid, but nothing special. I don't think, at least I don't think, I feel like that's, I don't know. Maybe I'm just used to looking at players like Duran, who's over 50%, but it's not a bad one. Let's see how that, let's see what the percentile is for that, actually. Maybe it'll give me, a, maybe it'll give, open my eyes to the fact that he's actually hitting the ball really well, because I feel like that wasn't a good number or a great number. I feel like that was like a slightly above average number, but as soon as this loads the, so it's, yeah, so the hard hit rate is 71% tile. It's not, it's good. It's above average. Okay, so I was thinking, I thought it was made closer to 60th percentile, so maybe, so 71st percentile is still very strong. It's still a very good hard hit rate, but again, barreling the ball, very exact below average on the barrel rate. I'm just, I like what I'm seeing in terms of the overall production, obviously, and not to mention Mateo is just showing, like, there's growth in the profile in terms of being more patient while also making a point to, you know, try to produce some more power with that approach. So Mateo, I'm buying for the most part, but I do think obviously there's some regression coming his way. I think we've already seen him slow down with the power, but we're seeing production overall be solid. And if he's going to start leading off against lefties, that's a little added uh, plate appearance boost you might not have been expecting initially. Next player, this one pains me to say, it's my boy, Bryce Terang. He's been barely rosterable let alone startable the last few weeks after a very hot start for Terang, a guy that obviously i've been in on since day one and someone i'm still plugging i plugged him in for the core series he got me stolen base and some hits so he is a guy that i am plugging in the right in the right 
places. However, the thing about terrain, most notably, is that it's a very strict platoon. And when I say strict platoon, like other guys, I'm looking back. All right, Beatty's played against a couple lefties now, so he's not a strict platoon. Terrain started once against the lefties, so his platoon might be lifting. Terrain did start against lefties. For a little bit but that was when they needed him not when they wanted him to be there was injuries playing a part there you have uh tyrone taylor returning causing more of a playing time crunch and they always feel the need to get owen miller which i think owen miller hit top of the order yesterday actually against the lefty owen miller and he's owen miller's hitting well so he's going to keep being lefties you also have mike Brousseau, who should be facing lefties as well so by should i mean that's the way they're utilizing them those guys so with them with the brewers with the brewers making a point to utilize Brousseau and Miller against lefties. This has left guys like Bryce Terang out of the mix against lefties. And on the surface, you're looking at a 28.9% strikeout rate. And this is when strikeout rate is a little deceiving because it's not because he's swinging and missing. Now he is four for five on base pass. Terang is doing that right. He's not, he's not the ground at the ground balls aren't really an issue. He's elevating very well. Only a 42.9% ground ball rate. That's very solid. All things considered, especially when you have a 34, almost 34% fly ball rate and a line drive rate. That's really uh, anything over 20 to 23, like 21, 22, 23% are really like, that's where you want players to be for the most part. He's sitting at 23.2%. That's a very, that's a good line drive rate. It's a line drive rate you want should help succeed with batting average. And a Z contact, which is zone contact of 86.7%. That's above league average. He's not chasing much at all. The chase, the O swing is only 27.6%. Again, league average being around 31, 32%. And the swing strike rate about a point better than league average. And he's making more, he's making league average contact, give or take, you know, a little more than league average, but not enough to call it a full point. <laughs> My point being is that the strikeout rate doesn't really make sense looking at this profile. There's not a whole lot of chase. He's getting a lot of called strikes on him. And the swing strike rate is better than league average. So I, the strikeout rate could be fixed if Terrain gets a little more aggressive at the plate, I feel like. Because obviously he's there's no there's no real swing and miss in the profile. There's there's no um yeah, there's no swing and miss, and there's and there's no real chasing. So when you see those, when you see good numbers there, but a inflated strikeout rate, it's more of a passivity issue, at least from what I've noticed in the past and from what I've seen when I look at players. So although the power is not it's not a zero, it's not great. And you see these numbers in triple A, obviously for Trang, 13 home runs, 34 stolen bases, over a 603 plate appearance thing. I feel like he is more of a compiler. So you need he's more, he's still 15 team uh mixed relevant ish it's just a matter again you gotta know your matchups you gotta know your league you gotta know your uh especially if you're in uh nfbc formats you have to know schedules for sure with him because next week again he's no, it's another four and two and he's splitting it uh one lefty each so you gotta know that if you're starting him you're getting two out of three games each of those matchups maybe a pinch hit appearance if you're lucky in the games he doesn't start which we've seen him do that as well in the past. Appreciate that, Dylan. Glad to make it live. Thanks for the great content. I'm glad you came here to, and dropped the comment. I appreciate that. Anybody listening on the podcast replay, check us out on YouTube at youtube.com slash at GT Fantasy. You can come check out the live stream, all the visuals I put along with talking nonstop. Next player we are going right into, though, is going to be our boy Taylor Ward. And I went up and down this profile. Couldn't really find a whole lot to be concerned about. Similar, similar plate discipline as last year. So that's okay. So there's no swing and miss uh, added. He's obviously underperforming, but I don't know by not by a whole lot. It's just a matter of right now. The only thing I can really find for Taylor Ward, there's two things. One, the ground ball rate is up. I lie. There's a few things, but I think the big issue. I lie. Okay, so we're gonna go through it. There's actually a lot of things here wrong with Ward, but the big thing that stood out to me. There was one thing. He's his he's topping. He's getting on top of the ball too much. His top percentage is five, is 10.8 percent higher than last year, and by far career high. And by not by getting on top of the ball, he's not creating that strong quality of contact that is needed for Ward. And with that, it's showing. I mean, you're seeing the ground ball rate 
up. So if you're going to top of a ball, guess what happens? You're getting on top of it. The ball's going to go into the ground. And it's showing that the ground ball rate is up. The barrel rate has dipped. And I think that's going to correct itself as we see Ward get back into get back into uh, making better quality of contact. I think he's going to correct course, start squaring up the ball better, and Ward with that should get more production. Not to mention, again, another guy that the power hasn't really been there, but a lot of that is just due to not squaring up the ball as I expect him to get better doing here in short order. But it's one of those things where that's all I could really find was that he's getting on top of the ball. Taylor Ward is. I'm talking about Taylor Ward here. That Taylor Ward's getting on top of the ball and that with it, the lack of production, you know, the ground ball rate, all that, he's once he starts squaring it up better, the ball, the production should come with it. I, I think it's a matter of if not when. That's my opinion right now, looking at his profile. A guy that's just, uh, there's a couple quick hitters here. We're going to kind of fly through these guys. So one of them is Gene Segura. And I just, ton of ground balls, 60.7% uh, ground ball rate, not barreling. He was never one to barrel a lot, but not a great barrel rate at all. And hitting the ball to on the ground, lacking hard hits. He's just, Segura was supposed to be a solid, safe guy, and he's just not right now. So it is what it is with him. He's just, there's really nothing there that intrigues me. Another guy that's just been a kind of a complete, complete, uh, what's it called? Not, not a miss is the word, but he's been a guy that just people were in on for cores, for speed, and zero stolen bases. Not even, in, not even just this year. He hasn't stolen a base, even if you include 2022 in the AAA, all the way up to his pro debut. And through now, so we're looking at oh, what nearly over 150, almost 160 plus plate appearances for for Tovar for Zico Tovar to that hasn't stolen a base yet, and that's what you got him for. You knew there was a little punch. You never knew. You never expected the power to be a, a strength, strength. But there's a little pop here. It's supposed to be speed, and he's not giving you either right now. Striking out a ton, and there's a whole lot of swing and miss in Tovar's game right now. And the bad is only throw nine, but you got to put the ball in play to have a good bad bip. So course can't help that if you're not putting the ball in play. Glove first prospect, and I think that's kind of the concern here. He's only what, 21, but the Rockies, going back to 2022, they have the second least amount of stolen bases. Them and the Twins do not run. So Tovar, even though he has a skill set to run, they aren't really making a point to run when he's on the base pass. He only has one attempt, which he was failed at, which he failed at this year. But Tovar is just a guy that if he's not running, if he's not stealing, Coors isn't going to help him be valuable. He's a drop in most formats, and that pains me to say, but I'm I'm just. Like I was worried about, I like I was worried about Terang, but Tovar is even more useless right now, and he's batting ninth. There's no real reason to believe he's gonna move on up. I know he had, a, I know Tovar had a decent series in cores recently. Maybe there's reason for optimism there, but if he's not running, he's not gonna hit enough power or or produce enough counting stats to warrant a spot on your roster more than likely right now. So Zico Tovar is a guy that I'm just I'm just not in on at the moment. And the last guy. We're going to talk about here before we get into a quick, we have a whole bunch of guys I'm putting what's called on the peripheral, meaning we're going to go through a bunch of uh, quick hitting notes. I have a little graphic here for you as well. You'll see that has a whole bunch of names on it. We're going to talk about some playing time and stuff like that. But the last guy we're going to talk about before we get into that is Joey Manessis, the 30 the year old breakout that everyone just, because he was a, he was one of those guys that popped in your SGP sheets. He's one of those guys that popped in the, in the, in the projections. And the projections still really like them rest of the season. They still have them like 16 to 19 home runs, depending on the system, hitting 260 plus the rest of the way. He is hitting 267. He's giving you batting average, but that's all he's giving you. And a lot of the reasons, a lot of the issues here for Manessis is that the barrel rate's down. And a lot of that's because, I mean, he's still hitting the ball hard. So there's that, but he's not, he's what, 52.5% ground ball rate. Until we see Manessis elevate the ball, you're not going to see that power come back. And obviously the projection system still sees them, sees him as, as someone who will be bringing that power back. 
I mean, it's one of those things. It's almost like there's a reason why he was a 30 year old in the minors. There's a reason why he took him till he was age 30 to even get his major league debut. And if he was on the Nash, if he wasn't on the Nationals, would he even have debuted by now? Is what you have to ask yourself. I think the price was inflated. Obviously, I think he's making a point. Obviously, the infield fly ball rate spiked tremendously, so he's not squaring up as as you would hope. The home run fly ball rate's down, but he's not pulled. Last I checked, he had like some decent uh, fly ball line drive barrel rates at one point, at least early on. But he wasn't. He, it was all up the middle and opposite field. That power, again, it goes back to pulling fly balls and line drives. If you're not doing that, you're not going to produce power. It's just, I mean, not as much power. That's why it's why Alec Bohm Bohm has the power, but he's not pulling much. He never has. So it's a guy, one of those guys that. He'll never play up to those power potential. And Manessis could be a guy that, although we've seen Manessis have success in small samples, and we've seen him have success in the minors where he was where he's been older than the level of late. This is one of those things where not I can't say I told you so just yet. It was one of those things where there's a reason why there was a lot of people out on him. Few people, a few people were in. I don't have a whole lot of confidence in Manessis because again, it goes back to the fact that. He was a 30-year-old in the minors for a reason. Is there a good month or two in there? Probably. I, I think there's enough there because again, he's he's even play every day. Manessis has a good batting average, so he's not a zero, but he's not gonna he's not gonna give you much else right now. If he's not hitting for power, he's not gonna give you a whole lot of runs in RBI in that lineup either. So he's definitely a drop in 12s and shallower. 15s, he's kind of a hold. I don't think you're dropping him because there is enough path to potential there that you need that you should probably hold on, but if you did drop him, I know like if I was there, I'd maybe I'd put a small, I wouldn't even put in a strong bid on him if he was on the waiver wire right now in my in my main event. So maybe I'm down on maybe it's because I was down on him entering the year and that um I don't know. I always question myself when I'm like way lower on the consensus because I really had him low. And then there's a lot of people that I know were in on him, and I'm like, I don't know. I'm still not sure if I should be out completely, but I have I have little reasons for optimism considering all the things I already mentioned. So Manessa is a guy that I'm just kind of down on. Um, and maybe I shouldn't be so down on, I, I don't know. Again, I'm, I'm really torn here on how to feel about him, but I'm just going to go with my gut and go with my original analysis of like, I'm down on him and there's a reason why I'm down on him and I'm going to continue to be down on him. Now I have one more thing to share again. I'm getting that, that graphic up real quick and here we are. So on the peripheral, which my little symbols gonna, gonna have to go here. How do you get rid of this thing? Oh, here we go. I don't want to delete the logo. I just want oh, there it goes. Okay, it's off. All right. So on the peripheral, so we have Nick Gordon. He's played three of five, I believe. And I, I wrote old habits die hard because I was in on Nick Gordon the preseason. He's showing a little pop, a little performance, a little solid performance of late. So you have Nick Gordon on top of his list. So Alex Call is leading off PA and PT, by the way. If you're looking at this on the YouTube, PA is mean played appearances, PT means playing time. Alex Call has both playing time and played appearances. Low ceiling. He did a, he hit a home run the day I tweeted about how his ceiling's pretty damn low, of course, but that's what he is. I mean, he's been leading off. He's getting those at bats. The playing time is there. He's a deeper league guy. Christopher Morell not coming up. We had we, we read the quotes from uh Ross yesterday, David Ross yesterday, that pretty much it almost sounds like an injury is needed. I think they're still trying to get the strikeouts in check there because Morell is crushing the minors, but he's still striking out 28% of the time last I saw. Dalton Barshow's getting going. I mean, it's about time. We we know there was worries, concerns there, but as a catcher, at least with catcher eligibility, I think it was uh, Rob Silver mentioned he's pacing out 2030 type of season, which is, you know, 20 home runs, 30 home bases. Barshow, that's a fantasy goldmine, you know, regardless of how you, regardless of how bad he's hitting, but we all knew batting average was going to be a concern. Nick Prado, play, uh, playing time has been there. He even started versus uh, lefty recently. Huge K issues and the BABIP is inflated. But if you're looking for a power upside, I mean, this guy was talked about almost in the same breath as Pasquantino in terms of like players, not in terms of being as good as Pasquantino, but a guy that was supposed to come up and be a producer for fantasy purposes. Power didn't quite have the batting average floor and other floor as a Pasquantino. But I remember last year there was talks about Prado 
in a similar, at least in the same sentence as Vinny, as Pasquantino, but I don't think it was ever a talent. It was more so a path to playing time slash a little bit of upside, but the floor was way lower as we've seen that kind of play out. Yuli Gurriel also has playing time right now, but that's probably until Garrett Cooper returns. Gurriel has been hitting decent for batting average. But that's kind of about it there. We're talking only there. Matt Mervis called up, obviously slotted right back and right into the bottom third of the lineup. He'll have every opportunity to hit his way up. So we'll see how that goes. Gavin Sheets playing a ton uh, should at least have a strong side platoon role for the, for the moment. And of course, as long as Sheets is playing, you know, there's power potential there. Michael Garcia playing every day, hitting well to start off, flashing a good hit tool early. We know the plate disciplines there. We know the speeds there. He already has a stolen base this year. And I think it's at least, I know it's at least one, but we know it's kind of, and I think I heard Eno mention a Nicky Lopez comp. I think that there's a little more punch there than Nicky Lopez has because we've seen uh, Michael Garcia hit for more power. I don't think it's great power. I think we're talking Bryce Terrain comp here in terms of like decent hit tool. Yeah, the power, like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's not a huge, lot of, it's not a whole lot of power, but a guy that can give you some pop. I don't know. I, I understand the Nicky Lopez comp. I really do. But I think there's a little more power there than Nicky Lopez being kind of the complete zero that Lopez is. However, the comp itself being a hit first, you know, type of guy, he's batting ninth, so the upside's very limited, but if you need stolen bases, he's the second guy you should be targeting off this list because G1 Bay should already be roster in most formats, especially when you are in need of stolen bases. He stole another base yesterday. He's he there's a chance he leads the league in stolen bases without even being an everyday player. Bay has he led off against a righty. Was it a righty? It must have been a righty yesterday. I wrote that down in my notes, which because I know um I know Cabrian Hayes has been leading off regularly, and Hayes usually leads off against or was leading off against lefties regardless at, at one point this year. So Bay getting a, a leadoff spot against righties. But again, that was with Hayes out. I don't know if he's going to start getting a chance to lead off because we've seen Hayes kind of struggle. Hayes, Hayes moved down to seventh against a righty the day before, not starting getting his day off. Meanwhile, Bay has led off yesterday and has started three straight, including a lefty. So he's kind of in and out of like platoons slash like he plays two out of three and Bay. But as long as Bay is in there, you know, you're getting some bases, I think. G1 Bay is a guy that you're desperate for speed and you're in a shallower league. He's going to get them for you. If, he's, if you're in a deeper league, he's probably already rostered and too late, but he's just a guy that playing time is it's, it's been trending up and it continues to trend up, even though it's like, it's like trending up while managing to be inconsistent at times. It's really weird, but yeah, G1 Bay, that's a guy. So I think that's going to cover all the big pieces. I know there's a couple other things I wanted to mention, but get on that, get that to, I'll get to that to you on the next show. Appreciate those who watch. Don't forget to subscribe. If you're listening, five-star rating review on the podcast, great, appreciated. But until next time, I'm Mike with GT Fantasy, your base load pod, which I'm listening to, and um, we'll talk soon. Thanks for watching.